0: Hi, welcome back to China Manufacturing Decoded. Renault's here with me. I'm Adrian from the team. Renault, hi. Hey. Hi, Adrian. And hi, everybody. So how's it going, Renault? You good? Yeah,
1: yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, in France for a few weeks. Mm. Catching up on a few things and going to go around, meet with a few clients and so on. Uh, We'll be back in... uh, Go through the quarantine later in August. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, well, let's hope it's pretty smooth. Not as bad as last year, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, but let's see. Things are always moving. We never know really, you know, what what it's going to be like.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, well, that's good anyway. It's good uh, good to know. So I'm glad to be back on. After last week, you had Clive on again and talking about the impact of the eu eco design regulation and uh, that was kind of part two of that that's a really helpful topic
1: yeah yeah right right the first one episode 110 was about what is that train coming in my direction you know so if you sell products in the eu wherever they are made uh, you're gonna have to be careful with that new regulation it's going to come into play immediately it's a regulation not a directive Mm. and it's going to um, it's going to to add new requirements and 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 there are certain sectors that would be under the the light immediately such Mm. as uh, textile and especially fast fashion and these kind of things and also construction materials right and then all the others are going to have to do certain things uh, when it comes to Proving conformity, basically, right, proving the uh, compliance, I should say, right yeah. proving compliance, putting a digital passport on every product and so on, and then episode one one five was about okay i'm let's say I'm an importer, what should I do? you know and there's a lot of implications of that uh, if you take that seriously, and really it's it's coming into play you know one or two years is gonna be here. Uh, the final text is not really uh, is not fully approved yet. However, uh, it's it's already very well advanced. Yeah. So um, they're not turning in another d- direction, right? So that that's why we spend time covering it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, a huge impact on product design in particular. I think Clive said it will come into effect for most uh, most slash all products by did he say May the twenty first, twenty twenty four?
1: Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, mm. Yeah, so for all products except some food products and a few, a few, um, a few things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, most consumer and industrial products and construction products, etc., are going to be uh, concerned. You know, within the scope of this new regulation.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you do import into the EU, folks. That is definitely something to listen to. So uh, go back and check out episodes 110 and 115. Uh, We've also written about it on the Sophie's blog too. So yeah, definitely a a great topic. Something a little bit different today, though. uh, Regular listeners will remember that we've been doing a mini-series within the pod uh, about doing your own sourcing from China and basically drawing on your experience in order to... Uh, Go through the entire process from starting out and finding suitable suppliers through to, you know, negotiating with them, getting the products made. uh, And then cooperation after you've got that supplier and, uh, you know, uh, touching on soft skills like building rapport, improving their quality. And today's topic, which is the final part as well, part nine, is keeping their costs under control so Mm -hmm. i'll leave a link to all of the different episodes in this mini series in the show notes once again but let's get started with this particular topic when we talk about our suppliers costs i mean this isn't our factory so why should we be so interested in this topic
1: Hmm. well who doesn't you know buy products from a supplier i mean Hmm. if you okay so People who listen to us, some of them work at a factory and, you know, where do they get all the inputs to their production process, right? The materials, the components, the accessories and so on. Yeah. Um, So they're definitely concerned about their, their uh, their own suppliers keeping costs under control because if their suppliers cost balloon, well, their own internal costs, you know, I mean, the the, the cost of their finished products would also have to balloon and, yeah, there's, there's some cases where eighty percent of the cost of the finished product is uh, is is components, right? I mean, if you look at uh, the automotive industry, for example, so you have to be very careful with the costs of the parts that you buy from suppliers, and you need to make sure that over the next five years, ten years, these costs don't go up, you know, at all, or don't go up. Um, um, you know, too much. Actually, in, in the auto industry, there's often pressure to find ways to reduce the cost over time. But that, that's another topic. Um, and if you are an importer, well, uh, you know, if you buy at, um, you know, landed cost, let's say 100, and you sell to your, your own customers at 125, let's say, well, if that supplier that was selling to you at 100 suddenly goes up 105, 110, 115, mm-hmm. 120. I mean, can you raise the price, you know, to your own customers as fast as they raise it on you? Right. right. That, that's that been a, a big struggle for a lot of buyers, uh, a, lo- a lot of importers. You know, and suddenly you have surprises like, Trump's tariffs and and all kinds of things like that, and mm. the cost of uh, such and such materials going up a lot. Well, then what do you do, right? Obviously, you need to keep your eyes on your on your suppliers' costs. I guess that's the that's the key idea here.
0: Mm. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So basically, it's 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 a workaround to high prices. I guess with a lot of materials and components these days, the prices have been going up. And it's, in some cases, maybe difficult to avoid some of those cost increases. But what we're talking about here is working with your supplier to find ways to, you know, keep their costs down. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, right, right. So... <laughs> if you only buy, you know, 1% or 3% of what your supplier makes, you're not going to have a lot of influence over what they decide to do, Mm -hmm. right? And if they raise the prices on you, it's it's basically going to go down to, hey, this is what I can can pay no more, you know, take it or leave it. And a sort of um, strong arm uh, negotiation like that. Now, if and we touched on this a little bit in uh, earlier in this series, but if you work with suppliers of the right size, you know, at least for some of the key products or components that you need to procure and, you know, you you really it's very, very important that you have some uh, some degree of control uh, over what, what the supplier does. Well. You, you picked a supplier of the right size. Maybe you represent twenty percent, thirty percent, fifty percent of what they uh, what they make. Well, they're going to pay attention to what you say, right? Yes. And then there's, there's there's a number of things you can do to help them actually keep their costs under control. Now, I have to say right away, in ninety plus percent of the cases, you know this is not applicable, right? they're not going to open up their, uh, their 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 cost structure their bill of and everything to you they're not going to invite you to come around and listen to everything you say and say oh yeah we're going to try that right mm-hmm. uh, actually if you buy from china it might be 99% you know in 99% of cases it's not applicable maybe right but this episode is for those cases where you do have a lot of influence, and actually, we could say some control over what the factory says mm-hmm. and and does, you know. Uh, and 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 you you um, you can push them to do certain things, right? So if they come to you and you say, well, they, they say, well, you know, like every year the, the salaries go up and blah blah blah, and um, and the material costs go up, so this is the new price. We used to sell it to you for. Uh, for ten dollars now now it's you know eleven point five dollars or or something, and this is a very big problem for you and you buy a lot of that product. well, what should you do i mean you you can't just accept it right so in a lot of cases, the advice would be know the market price, go out there double source right so if supplier a which maybe is your preferred supplier prices, it, they price themselves out of the market. but well then, you know, you go with supplier B and then you cultivate supplier C because supplier A is out of the picture, right? This mm-hmm. is going just using sourcing, right? As a tool for, for cost control. And then you can go back to supplier A and say, well, um, no, no, we rejected. Sorry, we're not buying anything for that. And you're like, what? right? Because sometimes they really don't expect that. And you say, no, sorry, if you increase the price, I'm not buying. All I can accept is whatever, 10.4 or something. Because you you have an alternative, right? Okay, that's great. But this is not what we're talking about here in this episode. This episode is about the case where maybe you own the manufacturing place. Maybe you own a controlling stake in it maybe you are the biggest customer and they listen to everything you say right and 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 uh, and maybe it's like the last attempt uh you know to say okay do we keep working with these guys or do we just uh develop an alternative and get away from them soon right and there there's you know case yeah, cases where it comes down to that, mm. and then what can you do, right? So what we're going to talk about is what what can you actually do uh, to 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 help them control their costs.
0: Mm. Okay, and if you do fall into the category where you've got enough sway with your supplier Mm. Uh, so you're a large enough customer and if you followed some of the advice that you gave earlier on in this series about building a good relationship with them building that rapport that's going to help open the door to go in and actually make these suggestions to drive these improvements right
1: yeah yeah of course
0: Mm. okay
1: and so so how to go how to go about that right that's the question Mm. And obviously, first, you need to think, okay, first, what are their costs, right? What, what What is driving their costs? And sometimes, maybe you can go there, maybe you can send a consultant there, walk the shop floor, look around, ask some questions, look at what they buy, in what quantity, and so on and so forth. And you, you might have some surprises right there. You might say, well, um, why are there... 30 people just right now as i'm walking around 30 people not doing anything productive because they are reworking something that was done wrong the first time Mm -hmm. right and if you see that well the cost of poor quality are are probably very high in that factory and you might first need to work with them to, to to improve the quality system and we talked about the cost of poor quality before in another episode with um, with Max and with Clive,
2: yeah.
1: And um, and that can be the the number one source of cost for the factory, right? So you need to to in that case you need to have them set up a better system, uh, set up the right checkpoints, set up the right maybe the right tests. Maybe they receive I don't know some glue, and then uh, once in a while the glue is not right, and then you know the whatever they make maybe the paint brushes that they make you know after after a few weeks everything goes away uh, nothing's holding well they, maybe they need to um, to do certain tests on, on the glue you know what's the viscosity what's you know um the, the what are such and such uh, parameters that can be tested relatively easy just to confirm that they get a consistent quality of glue you know right? Because mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, it's not the case at all. Because nobody really controls glue. Amazingly, you know, in in, in China, so either they pay expensive glue from a certain brand, and uh, and some of these brands are very good, uh, but very often the factory left to themselves would not pay expensive glue.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They they will buy you know the, the, the glue from the local guy who has the, the low price and so on. And they get horrible, you know, horribly inconsistent quality. So this is just an example. Just an mm-hmm. example. So if the cost of poor quality are a very, uh, are very high at the factory, you need to work on that. And maybe they have trouble reaching your your quality standard. Maybe the quality standard actually needs to be uh, reevaluated. Maybe it's a little bit too uh, too too high. Creates a lot of extra costs. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Right. So you need to go and have a look. And understand what's what's going on okay now let's say it's not quality what what is often creating issues really is um, is, is, is probably i would say two things uh, first on the supply chain side on the supply chain side very often they, they, they want to make deals so when they buy uh, whatever you know if it's Let's say leather for their shoes, for example. Mm-hmm. They, if they make shoes, uh, well, they, they're gonna um, they, they're gonna buy that in a in large quantity just to get a good deal from the supplier, right? Oh, what about I, I buy three times more? Can you give me another ten percent discount? You know, mm-hmm. uh, so they, they get very fixated on the price, but they don't know the cost of anything. So they know, they know the price of everything, but they don't know the cost of, every, of, of anything. Um, which, by that, what do I mean? They don't. They don't understand the cost implications. They don't know the cost implications of what they're doing. So the buying in large quantity, uh, it, it sucks up all of their working capital. So maybe they need to. They need to borrow. You know, what is the interest rate and so on? They need maybe more warehouse space. Maybe they need to to rent more warehouse space to to. To, to carry all that inventory mm-hmm. and then some of that so some of these materials will go bad and some of them maybe are produced you know poorly but if they find out about that maybe two months later it's certainly too late to to send it back to, to the source so that can have a tremendous tremendously high uh, impact on cost and it's it's all the way through, right? It's not just purchasing. If they plan that way, it's not just purchasing and uh, keeping it in 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 a warehouse. It's also uh, in in production. Mm. They 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 probably make very large batches, right? Batch and queue. So maybe their lead times are extremely long, also, and they're not flexible at all. And sometimes we walk in 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 a factory, and we try to estimate, and we say, okay, well. Uh, from the materials that come in here to a finished product, there's two months and a half or three months. Now, Mm. that might sound crazy, but it's really not uncommon. Really not uncommon. Uh, So, and all of this, of course, brings up a lot of extra costs. And, you know, people who studied a little bit about lean manufacturing will know, uh, you know, there's the they, they, they call it the seven types of waste, mm-hmm. right? If you you uh, you 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 overproduce, you keep a lot in inventory, um, and 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 so on and so forth. Um, this has an impact on cost, but it can be very very hard to go to a production manager who's been doing that way for 30 years <laughs> and tell them, you know, what you're doing really sucks. I mean, this is really bad because of your organization or should I say your lack of organization, you keep everything simple. You want to make very large batches and then everything is slow. You're not flexible and you have high costs and the guy's going to look at you and say, huh, what are you talking about? I know what I'm doing. I've been doing it for 30 years (laughs) or 20 years. And, and, you know, and to be fair, maybe all of the other factories that he's visited do the same way or even worse. Right. So, very hard to open their eyes but that supply chain production planning you know size of batches and calculations of uh, what the economic quantity is and so on you know and, and and usually it comes comes with um few changeovers that are done very poorly and take take a long long time well all of that has an impact on cost mm-hmm. um you know and it makes it very hard for them to actually have a, a relatively high accuracy when it comes to the shipment schedule so it also impacts on time deliveries and it's it's really bad for quality because if they have these massive batches you know uh, and and they and i don't know for example a factory of fans they were um Doing a lot of stamping at a time, so it's very very fast, right? Mm-hmm. And they would have these mountains of metal parts that they would stamp, and then it would wait for a while, and two weeks later it would go to the next step, uh, and there would be some um, uh, some machining. But if they find a quality issue there, well, they've already stamped twenty thousand parts.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, you know what what to do about that now? we work? do we try to kind of squeeze it and you know hide it and let's hope that it's not too bad right so it's very bad for quality too and in turn very bad for quality means very high cost
2: mm.
1: because they are going to have to rework and and maybe they're going to play a game and they're going to try to try to put it into the, the final product and hope that nobody notices mm. and if someone notices somewhere, it might become very, very expensive for the manufacturer. So, the supply chain setup is very, very important. has a very big impact. But this is extremely hard for an outsider, you know, even a big customer to change. Uh, they, they, they kind of have to have have an open mind. Okay. Yeah. Um, usually they will respect you much, much, much more if you come in with some suggestions on manufacturing. And if you say, well, you do it this way, but if you do it that way, you're going to have less scrap, you're going to produce faster, blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe you're doing die casting and yeah, you have that that many quality issues that force you to slow down and force you to, uh, to do some... Uh, some Some extra shots and have some scrap and so on well, make this and this change on the mold and uh, and do some trials again and and let's you know make sure you do the, the right setup and and so on and and let's do some new trials
2: mm-hmm.
1: right and if you show them actually what needs to be changed, uh what they actually have to do, and they try and it's true that there's an improvement, woohoo you know hard skills right here you know they think oh we have a technical expert here that's great let's listen to him <laughs> right now this also translates uh much faster and much more clearly into savings so if you are if you're, if you're making some changes and they um they used to have i don't know they used to scrap 8% of the parts and you have them make some changes and then they only scrap 3%. Hey, what about the 5% scrap, you know, that, that used to be uh, processed for nothing, discarded, uh, maybe remelted or maybe sold for, yeah, for scrap, hmm. uh, for, for nickels on the dollar. What, what about all the savings from these 5%, you know, parts that used to be bad and now are, are, are good, that might be a massive, uh, have a massive impact on um, on pricing, mm-hmm. uh, but <laughs> are they going to translate that into a lower price? Now that's that, that is a very sensitive discussion, right? Because then, if they feel that you're doing that, but you want to rip the benefits right away, maybe even before they are sure that they really have the savings and they will pocket the savings, they will close off. They will, they will say, okay, okay, just let us do it. Like, don't come and bother us, uh, you know, and they will stop sharing information. Mm. So very, very um, dangerous here. But again, if it's a key supplier and you have the ear of the, of, of the owners, you could strike some kind of deal where maybe, you go and help them or you send consultants. And then whenever there are savings like this that are documented, it's 50%, 50%, right? You get 50% in in um, in price reduction or rebates or something. And, yeah. and, they, and they keep the other 50%. Or maybe they also have the same process for some other customers. And you're going to reap, you know, 70% uh, of the savings on your production and then for the other customers they're going to reap 100% right so it, there's a number of ways to do that but mm. you have to keep it simple and you have to make sure that they feel comfortable with it otherwise they will just keep you out of the loop and uh, you know
0: they
1: they they will not want to play the game that that's a problem
0: yeah they don't want you to mess with their money hmm. but th- these are these are quite interesting because what you're talking about essentially these are hidden costs so if the supplier comes to you and says sorry we've got to increase the costs really we're talking about well why is it happening and just asking them they might not be very open about these reasons maybe they don't exactly know themselves so as you as you mentioned yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so getting in there yourself or, or sending Uh, consultants like us or or whoever to to really go and get into the details I can understand why being able Mm -hmm. to uncover these uh hidden costs that is a really good route to you know reducing costs that uh, immediately appear to be uh, a bit high and and maybe unexpected in many cases
1: right 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 yeah and talking about hidden costs in a lot of cases you know office costs
0: Mm.
1: are extremely high <laughs> and they are more—they are a problem much more than production costs. So I—I talked about supply chain issues. I talked about manufacturing issues, and then we yeah. can talk about office issues. Yeah. When it comes to manufacturing, I don't want to make it sound very uh, simplistic. Uh, it can be quite difficult, or it can be in many cases basic industrial engineering tools. You know, will show you a lot of issues and, and ways to um, to go at them. Sometimes you just map, you know, the material flows and then you say, well, okay, why does it start in that building first floor? Then it goes to that other building on the third floor and then it goes down to that other building on the ground floor and then it goes over there on the fifth floor for packing. You know, th- this doesn't make any sense, right? And you try to quantify the, the amount of um, labor that they waste doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, you know so sometimes it's relatively simple uh, and 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 yeah there's there's a lot of it that cannot really be described on 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 a podcast yeah. uh you can help them think of the right type of automation because automation sometimes even if it's um, not very uh expensive uh not very complicated uh can help both on cost and on quality mm-hmm. um, and in the end, improving quality reduces costs, you know, just an example, there's um, we've had several projects with toys where uh, the, the the wrong assortment was going into the packaging. So, and that, that is a big problem. You know, you, you get your box of toys for Christmas, you open it, and then you see that a uh, couple of screws are missing for the train set or that, uh, that special, whatever card or, or figurine is, is, is wrong or is missing and the, 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 the whole party might be really spoiled, right? So, and, and in some cases, just put together a, uh, an, an automated um, packing machine uh, that would know, always get the assortment right as long as it's set up and maintained the right, the right way. It saves some cost on packing and, and, and it prevents a lot of quality issues, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's a relatively simple example and there can be a lot of other things a lot of a lot of the times tooling is important thinking of the right fixtures the right jigs and so on can save a lot of time uh, and sometimes it's you know it we talked before about design for manufacturing and assembly and there's also a lot of savings to be made there if um, if, if if some of these learnings can be fed back into the product design uh, process right so all of that i would say is about product manufacturing and then there's office
2: yeah
1: <laughs> and office systems sometimes are more costly than production systems meaning that in production at least from a labor point of view they often tend to run i, I shouldn't say lean uh, they tend to run uh without without a lot of uh headcount you know a production manager, and then there's a few supervisors and a few teams with a leader, and um, and they tend to to push people. You know, and it they, a lot of the time the the, the waste uh, is rather visible. So in many cases, it's it doesn't get that bad. However, in the office, well, very often you see uh, you know 20 people in the office, 40 people in the office and they don't have a proper ERP set up the the right way. And you already know if they have the right ERP doing the right things, uh, you know, uh, showing, um, ensuring that the the right data are available to the right people when they need it, uh, making sure that people have the visibility over the data that that they need. They don't need to go ask another person and send five emails and so on, Uh, making sure that, uh, there's controls and alerts when certain things, um, uh, you know, when there's a risk or when there's a mistake or something, maybe a purchaser is going to um, to reorder something that, that is still in inventory, right? So there should be some kind, they should have the visibility, should be able to see it. And also there, sh- there should be some kind of alert if that's the case, maybe the purchasing manager should um, sh- should have their attention called to it. You know, it's just an example, but an ERP can help so much again to uh, uh, automate some of the tasks uh, make some of the tasks completely um irrelevant uh you know not, not necessary and uh, and and prevent mistakes hmm. so <laughs> very often what we see in China is that they um they they will say yeah, we have an ERP. okay, you know they have king or something like that uh, for accounting and they're kind of forced to do it anyway by the the, the local tax office and so on and, but then you start to uh, okay so what about you know uh, and they will say oh yeah, yeah look we have everything we have the purchases we have the sales we have you know what we have an inventory
2: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. and you say okay but um show me the workflow of exactly how people work, you know, and then they all have Excel files everywhere on their, on, on, on their computers that, you know, (laughs) they don't really use the ERP as it's supposed to be used. Mm. And to go back to supply chain, you know, when you start to ask, okay, so show me the material control and production control, you know, how, how you do all the planning. Oh, no, no, that's not in the ERP. Right. most most factories in China do not even try to make full use of the ERP and it, it's not sometimes the the gm will try and will push but there's a lot of resistance mm. because number one people are used to their excel files and everybody has their own data and everything and and number two some of the people don't you know they have a strong interest in keeping the status quo you yeah. know yeah. If you're a purchasing agent and you're getting some kickbacks on some of the, you know, from some of the suppliers, well, you don't want that kind of transparency that the NERP is going to provide. You know, when when people want to know where this kind of screw is purchased, they want to, you know, you you want them to ask you, and then you open your Excel file and you say, oh yeah, it's this guy's there. You want me to give them a call, blah blah blah, you know. Um, you, and then, if you are fired, then they don't even have the record about what you know what what happened, or it's it's not so easy, right? Mm. And if you're getting kickbacks from suppliers, that's what you want. But then, the minute there's an ERP with all the data properly filled out, it's very easy for someone anywhere to compare the prices that you pay with the prices of some other potential suppliers, mm. right? And you can be challenged very easily. And you can be fired tomorrow and it will not make a huge difference if you were just really just pushing paper, just, uh, you know, doing purchasing requests that turn into POs and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody else can probably do it if it's all in the ERP and there's the history, including quality history, delivery hi- history, and so on about uh, each each of the suppliers. Uh, you know, uh, your value as an employee sort of goes down. I mean. It can be replaced much more easily. So people are, um, are resistant to that. And then, yeah, what is the result? Bloated offices <laughs> with a lot of people who, um, who should not be there if a good process were in place. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that, that's, um, that's the sad reality in a lot of factories. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, when you have an excess of uh, 20 office people, who um, who are paid more than uh, shop floor operators is very expensive, it's mm-hmm. very, very expensive.
0: You're referring quite specifically to China in this particular example, and mm-hmm. I get why. When you were in India recently, did you see any evidence that things are different in India when it comes to uh, the administration of the factory?
1: <laughs> um it very much depends on the, on, on the factories.
0: Mm. I did
1: not look into the details of the ERPs and everything, but, um, I could see in some of them that there were efforts, uh, at, uh, implementing better management practices, including keeping things simple and uh, making things visual. Uh, and all of that goes in the right direction. Mm. Uh, indian companies Indian people also tend to rely more maybe on software um well there's so many software developers there right Absolutely. so they 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 have a lot of choice for uh all kinds of vrps um i would guess it's probably better implemented than than in china on average but i'm not sure mm. because salaries are lower so there's kind of an attitude sometimes that hey whatever you know just hire and you know a couple of bodies bodies and (laughs) they would push the the paper again right right?" so um yeah i'm I'm not really sure about that
2: okay
1: to summarize here about keeping costs under control everything i said makes no sense if your supplier is not going to listen to you so if you have leverage of your supplier and if it makes sense for you to invest some time, send some consultants, then you can look at the supply chain systems, you can look at the manufacturing systems, you can look at the office systems. Supply chain systems can be very difficult to change. And as well as office systems, manufacturing systems thinking you know looking at their processes and and, and the, the material flow and so on and, and making changes there. Uh, helping them, you know, do things like, yeah, uh, get better tooling, accelerate the, the, the changeovers, um, you know, uh, train the people a little bit better, uh, change the methods that, that they are using. Okay, all of that can have a very very fast um, uh, impact, uh, yeah. very good, um, you know, a fast payback and a good return on investment, and it's very visible so usually it makes more sense to start there to establish trust and to see if there can be a little bit of a momentum to uh, to keep going and give them some other some other um, improvements to to work on right mm. so that makes sense and since we're wrapping up this uh, this mini series yes i think for people who've listened to all the episodes it, it, it has to be a balance. You know, if you want to be a good buyer and reach your objectives, it has to be a balance. You know, it's it's like tough love, right? It's a paradox. Uh, and it's really the same idea here. You need to know what you're doing. You need to show them the limitations. You need to show them your process. And you need to push back on certain things that are not very you know, reasonable. So you need to know what's reasonable, of course, first. And and we covered that uh, some of that uh, in earlier um, uh, earlier episodes in, in yes. that series. Uh, and at the same time, you also need to show them at least your key suppliers, right? The 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 few suppliers that are really important to you. Uh, you need to show them that you are committed to the relationship, and you need to to give them some feedback. And and, and and if they need you need to, to be ready to extend a little bit of help, right? Because that's what elevates your profile, you know, in their eyes. Mm. That's what will make them think, okay, this is a good, you know, a good customer. Um we, we should not mess up, you know, let's try to do a good job for these guys, right? But of course, if you um if you're extremely tough on price negotiations. Uh, they won't really care about that you know it has to be a little bit of a partnership otherwise they're really not going to care much except if your volumes are huge and uh and, and and it makes them really excited but apart from that you you need to leave them a little bit of margin you need to show that you're listening to them you need to show that hey maybe you know instead of giving them some orders in their peak season let's give them some orders maybe in their lowest season, for example, right? So you, you are you might have to borrow some working capital um, to uh, to do that earlier. Uh, you might get a slightly lower price, maybe. Uh, but you know, if it's not their peak season, it's also in your interest in the sense that there's a lower risk that they subcontract production without telling you. Yeah. There's a lower risk that they are so busy. That they bump your order, you know, and they ship to you three weeks late, and there's a lower risk that they mess up on quality, you know, because they say, oh yeah, we, you know, we uh, we had to face this uh, this 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 big rise in orders, and we had to. we had to hire some people. Oh, we are sorry. Blah, blah, blah. New people, you know, they make mistakes <laughs> and we had mm. to rush and you, you told us to rush. So, <laughs> so we run into quality issues, you know, sort of blaming you for, for their issues. Mm. Uh, so uh, going a little bit in the direction of a, a, a partnership with some key suppliers uh, includes a lot of communication and, you know, being relatively open and, from time to time, um, extending some help, yeah mm-hmm. so it it's not all about take it's it's a little bit about give and a little bit about take.
0: Yeah, interesting well what what a great finish to the series. Uh, a great summary and and yeah, I totally I totally understand, totally agree. If anybody listening is wondering well, okay, uh, I am interested in this topic, I want to get more information, I'd, I want to get some help. Uh they can contact us. Uh just check us out on sofeast dot com and there's a mm-hmm. contact page and uh you can get through to Renault and the rest of the team and uh and somebody can help you. So if you're uh, you know wondering how to improve things with your suppliers or to source or to you know manufacture in a more efficient way all of the topics that are affecting us these days, yep, absolutely get in touch if you want to go further than this particular mini series of episodes, right?
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah, right. Happy to talk.
0: Lovely. Okay. Well, so uh, that's it for this particular episode. Back next week with another great one. Thanks, Renaud. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Adrienne. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophie's Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing. 3PL warehousing and fulfilment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at that's sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share, because it will really help others discover us too.